Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Jean Adrienne. She is an author, healer, teacher, and the creator of Quantum Change. Jean graduated Florida State University with a BA in psychology and completed a four-year education for ministry program at the University of the South. She's the developer and teacher of the Inner Speak Breakthrough Coaching Method, which she offers from her office in Atlanta, Georgia. Jean's books include Reframe Your World, Conscious Living in the New Reality, Soul Adventures, and her latest book, which we're going to discuss today, Power Tools, the Ultimate Owner's Manual for Empowerment. Jean, welcome and delighted to have you with us. Oh, thank you so much, Miriam. I am just so excited about being with you today. Well, you are such a veteran of the radio scene and of the self-empowerment scene. I'm I'm really looking forward to our chat today. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I think the, the old radio thing just sort of happened. I had no earthly idea that I would resonate with media work, you know. And for some reason, I fell into it. I think it's now seven years I've been doing this on the radio. And I love it. What a great way to get the message out. Isn't it, though? Um, I've only been at it a, a couple of years, but I really, really enjoy it. Mm. Uh, now, Jean, you have crammed into your book, Power Tools, what feels to me like a life's worth of wisdom. How did you get yourself onto this path? You know, Miriam, it started with a healing crisis. I think that's probably how it starts for most of us, doesn't it? Um, but I was having issues in, um, I guess it was around 1999, um, with anger management. And, you know, I've, I've lived my life as the most placid, you know, sweet girl ever. Uh, and so when this anger stuff started... I didn't know where it was coming from, and quite frankly, it just about cost me my corporate job because I wasn't able to contain it um, at work. I mean, I was having my biggest problems with it at work. By the time I would get home, usually I had gone off on enough people that I didn't have to take it out <laughs> on my husband. <laughs> you know, and um, somebody told me about energy work, and that was all I needed because I knew that this angry woman wasn't my real self, you know, and I didn't know what energy work was because I'd been really following a mainstream, you know, uh, fundamentalist, you know, traditional Christian, that kind of thing. Um, and I had never explored it. And so that's really sort of where it got started. I found an energy worker and I had one session with this man. And at the end of an hour, I was back to being the gene that I knew and loved and, you know, that other people knew and loved as well and not the nasty one, you know, and really, I didn't even understand it then. It, it probably wasn't until maybe the last couple of years and probably as I was writing this book that I really realized that the, the root cause of that anger was because I wasn't in alignment with my core values. I wasn't in alignment with my truth. And I'd given my power away to everybody and their brother that would take it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so I really had to uh, take care of Gene first. And then I was able to write this book. And the book came from my experience and from my heart. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because I think so many people suffer from this same malady, if you want to call it that, of not knowing who you really are or why you're here and not knowing where your strength comes from, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's really the core of your book. Yeah. When you use the analogy of power tools, you talk about going right down to your foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you come up with this analogy of using different power tools for the different processes? Well, you know, I was looking for a way to make a, a different approach to metaphysics and to spirituality and to empowerment. And I think partially having a radio show for as long as I have, I've read so many books, read a book a week, sometimes two books a week. Uh, and, you know, I've heard it every way from Sunday. And I didn't want to write another book that was the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Because there are plenty of them out there, for sure. And they're all good, you know. And, and they all resonate with the right people and whatever, but I also wanted to come up with something that would engage both genders because I think the primary purchasers of self-help books are women, Mm -hmm. but the guys need to know this stuff too. And so I wanted something that wasn't going to be airy-fairy, you know, and tools. And that's the first way to, yeah, a good meal is the first way to a man's heart, and the second one is tools. (laughs) They love their tools, you know. So that's really sort of where it started. And, you know, you you give the muse an inch, and the muse will take a mile. And so it didn't take long until my my creative self was going crazy with this. Uh, And it hasn't stopped, I will tell you. You know, the book came out in January, and I'm still coming up with more power tools. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe there'll be a power tools toolbox number two. I don't know. So in your arsenal of tools, um, which would you recommend starting with? Well, I think you have to start at the beginning. And so the first one and the the most raucous one and probably the most powerful one is the jackhammer. Um, I, I know everybody has been driving down the street. Uh, a lot of times with your windows rolled down in a car and you pass by a construction site and you immediately roll your windows up because they're so noisy. Um, but the jackhammer is the perfect metaphor for getting to the bedrock of who you really are because there's nothing that can stand up to a jackhammer. It's that powerful. It's that, you know, um, yeah. And so we have to use the jackhammer as our first tool so that we can excavate away all of the foundational beliefs that we have taken from others. And, you know, most of our foundational beliefs, I really think, have come from others. It starts in the cradle and we add to it from there. I mean, I think we come in as a child, you know, as a pretty, um, pretty clean sheet um, of, of or, or palette to be, or, 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 or um, canvas is the word I'm looking for, to be painted upon. Um, and that's what happens. We get painted upon. And mama lays her beliefs down on top of our palette or our, our canvas. And then daddy does as well. And then, you know, grandma and aunts and uncles. And then you go to nursery school and the teachers start in on it. And then you go into grade school and the teachers there lay on even more. And, you know, and then there's Sunday school in the middle of that and, you know, the government and the television. And pretty soon you've got a complete painting 
that has nothing to do with what that baby's original mission was for incarnation. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that Don Miguel Ruiz uh, talks about us being the artist of our own life. And the wonderful thing about oil paints is that you can paint right over the underpainting. Bingo. Bingo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it, it, it should be that easy. But we make it a lot harder than that. And so that's why I got a really noisy, messy tool to start off with, um, you know, so that so that the reader can uh, just get a handle on what do I believe? What do I believe that is in alignment with my core values and my ultimate truth? And what do I believe that really bears no resemblance at all to my core values and my truth? And how I had to do that for me, Miriam, was I took a legal pad and I started writing uh, one day uh, in this little experiment I did on myself. And I started writing down everything that I believed. And I just kept on going. And pretty soon I had filled a complete brand new legal pad with beliefs, with metaphors, with ideas, the things that I thought were real and true in my reality. And I was amazed (laughs) that I was able to write that much stream of consciousness and i mean it took me three days to you know for me to get all of this out of my system and and down onto paper and then i went back through the legal pad and i started in the left hand margin and i started writing where did this come from did i make this up for myself or did i get this from mom or dad or who you know and so i started you know going back through the legal pad the second time to see what the source was on each of these beliefs and ideas. And then the last thing I did was go back through it and redline out everything that just wasn't appropriate for me anymore. You know, once I, sometimes you have to actually figure out where you got it to actually make that psychic break between a belief um, and your attachment to it, if that makes sense. You know, and so when I did that, it it was it boiled down to there were about 16 that were left that I could say, yep, this one belongs to Gene. Mm -hmm. So these are what you would call your guiding values. Mm hmm. Yeah. You know, and then once I did that, um, you know, and they were things like um, honesty, integrity, truth, trust, joy, uh, peace. And I had allowed, because of all that other noise that filled the legal pad, I had really allowed myself to get pulled way off of those essential values for myself to the point that I found that I was hanging out with people who weren't honest. And so sometimes I wasn't being honest with them because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And on top of that, I wasn't being honest with myself. And I was like, that was a huge uh, awakening for me was the honesty piece of it. And um, then well, after that... I can certainly see where that would be. Yeah. Uh, so, particularly in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in the South for 13 years, and I know that you absolutely never want to hurt anyone's feelings. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and the lesson that I learned from that was it hurts people and yourself a lot less if you are honest, if you tell the truth quickly. It's that sweeping it under the the carpet, which is, uh, you know, that's one of those tools that we're taught very early on in the South as women, 
Yes, you know, just, just, you know, put it over there and just cover it up. Nobody will ever know. You know, nobody needs to know. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. It ends up causing so much more pain when it, you know, when the poo hits the fan. You know, uh, that if you were just honest in the very beginning, you know, it wouldn't have to be so. A bit like ripping off a Band-Aid quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah, it really is. It really is. You know, so now uh, it's not these these transitions are not always easy. And I will tell you that, you know, and, and I, I tend to be a bit uh, either black or white, you know, and that pendulum swings from one side to the other. So once I decided I had to start living by my core value of honesty, then I became brutally honest. And you kind of didn't want to be in the middle of that one either. (laughs) Did you find your friends kind of fell away? Uh, Well, you know, I've got a lot of really strong friends and they got in my face with their finger pointed at me. It's like, you know, hold on. Maybe that's your truth, but I don't necessarily agree with that, Gene. And that, you know, and that was another one of those things that I learned, Um, you know, and that's another one of the tools, the magnet is about accepting is that, you know, we have to use our magnets to accept everything. We don't have to agree with any of it. But we do have to allow everybody else to have their right, you know, to have their opinion. Yes, I think so many of the world's problems uh, stem from people feeling that other people should think exactly the way I think. Uh Uh-huh. Boy, if you don't believe that, look at the news today. You know, we're living in the middle of uh, of a huge mess because of um, different cultures that, you know, want to impress their their beliefs on everyone around them. You know, to the point that, it's, it, you know, we're fraught with really um, scary stuff. Yeah, well, I suspect you could make that statement any time in the last thousand years. But Oh, uh, absolutely. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. It's just more obvious now because the media, you know, makes it so available to us. Yes. Yes, indeed. So what's your next power tool? The next one um, is you've got to, you know, once you've identified all this stuff, you have to begin to um, architect a reality for yourself. And so the next power tool is the Freemasons, um, the uh, the compass and the square. You know, you've got to draw out what do you want um, a solid reality to be based on. And so you have to define the boundaries of it. And, you know, the compass is a perfect tool for that. It, It draws perfect circles, right? So, you know, you have to lay out that circle around yourself of what is me and what is not me. Because we tend to want to take responsibility for everything, right? And we want to fix everybody else and, and we want to take on the world's burdens. And, you know, these are not things or, or they're not things that serve us to do because we're really only responsible for ourselves. Mm-hmm. The only person that you can change is yourself. So first you have to figure out who is you. So you break away all the foundational beliefs that are not yours with the jackhammer. And then you take that compass and you use it to figure out what is you. And then you have to square up that circle with the uh, with the square so that you can then begin to architect uh, a building to house your soul that is strong and that's based on a, a firm, solid foundation and that is, is, is real for you. 
you left out the vacuum cleaner. I love the idea of just vacuuming oh. up all of the debris. From oh, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and the vacuum cleaner, and, and I, I really hate to clean, but the vacuum cleaner is one of the tools that I use in my home that I enjoy. And, you know, call it OCD, whatever you want to call it. But I love the way the vacuum cleaner goes over the carpet and you can see where you've been because all the nap stands up. Mm-hmm. So then I can make a line right next to that and right next to that. And I know that I have covered the carpet 100%. I've left nothing, you know, um, no debris can possibly be there because I've done it all and I can see where I've been. And in the, so the vacuum cleaner is the perfect tool to get rid of all that debris that got busted up when you use the jackhammer. And, you know, we, we're like little energetic garbage cans, you know, and, and you would think that um, we store all of this emotional wounding and these old limiting beliefs and uh, judgments and shame and guilt and, you know, that we just, you know, we just hold on to it. But we're very methodical about where we put that stuff. And for the listeners who understand about the chakra system, we store it in our chakras, our energy centers in our body. We also, for those people who understand, um, you know, Chinese medicine and acupuncture, the acupuncture meridians and the acupuncture meridian points um, are also disposal disposal places where we hang on to all of this stuff. And what those two things have in common is that the acupuncture meridian system and the chakra system, they each relate to the physical organs in the body. So what happens when you hang on to all of this stuff? Well, you make yourself sick, emotionally or physically. It all begins, you know, with these thoughts and these beliefs and these wounds that we hang on to, um, that we create around ourselves and that we store thinking just like, you know, the, the Goodwill bag that we you know put all the old clothes that we can't wear anymore in, in that and we're going to take them to Goodwill next week and I got a closet full of them and I never <laughs> quite finished to get to Goodwill. You know, they're in big trash bags ready to go. But I keep thinking, well, maybe tomorrow, you know. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that people really need to take on board, uh, which is being proven more and more by current science, is how our thoughts affect not only our perception of reality, but also our physical bodies, just as you're saying. I mean, they're, it, my husband is a hypnotherapist, mm-hmm. and he kind of works at the forefront, the interface of mind-body medicine. Yeah. And you can see physical change when you remove limiting beliefs or you remove toxic beliefs. It's absolutely astonishing. So when you talk about vacuuming up the debris and, and, you know, really taking a jackhammer to some of the um, concrete that has built up around your, your belief system, it is so important, you know, absolutely wonderful metaphor. So um, how, how do you recommend people go uh, about kind of visualizing where to go from there because so often we're very good particularly women are very good at sensing what will make other people happy but we're not that good at figuring out our own 
source of happiness. Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting. And that's a great question, Miriam, because in the past, you know, I really think that a lot of this information was in the hands of, of just very few people. And, you know, so you had to go find somebody that could help you to do this kind of stuff. But not anymore. It's, um, it's really uh, happening now that we can do this stuff for ourselves. We can let go and we can clear and we can heal our bodies and our minds and our spirits just like that. And it's easy. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to take long periods of time anymore. Now, if you want to believe that it does, fine. And you, know, you can go find somebody that will help you do that. But anymore, all you have to use are two things, your attention and your intention. You put your attention on whatever is not working right in your life. And you use your intention to let it go, to release it, to liberate it. And um, I'm not sure who it was that created Ho'oponopono. Um, I haven't really studied that at any depth, but I use the, um, the, um, what are you, the little phrases from uh-huh. Ho'oponopono. And, you know, I can fix pretty much anything for myself with that. I'm sorry. I love you. Thank you. You know? Please forgive I'm sorry me. I, yeah, please yeah. forgive me. I'm sorry I created this. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then I usually add to that, I liberate you and I liberate myself. And wham. It, and I, I feel it's it immediately. amazing. Whatever, you know, whatever approach you take, whether it's Ho'oponopono um, or, or the, the access consciousness phrases or whatever, as long as you believe it, you are activating the, you can call it placebo effect, but the placebo effect is the body's self-healing wisdom. Absolutely. And it is the most powerful healing, and, and some would argue the only way to heal your body. Oh, thank you so much for saying that, because I have gotten into so much trouble over the years for making the blanket statement that all healing is placebo effect. I've had people yell at me for saying that, but I believe it to be so. Um, and, and, you know, I've got this healing modality called Interspeak, and, I, and that's where I've used that phrase more often than not. Um, it, the reason why I think you know, that access consciousness works, Interspeak works, um, where, you know, whatever the tool is, is because it plays to the inner child, the subconscious mind, Call it what you want to call it. But, you know, our our inner child or our subconscious mind operates at the level of a four-year-old child. Doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not real. And so if you can engage that aspect of yourself and let it have fun with doing what needs to be done to, to let go of the pain, to let go of the wound, to let go of the, the, um, the illness, um, then it will do it and it will have immediate results. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing to point out is that the body doesn't understand not. Mm-hmm. So you have exactly. to phrase things in the positive and, phrase, and focus on what it is that you do want not by focusing on what you don't want, you're kind of retaining that within your energy field. It's the law of attraction. 
you know, because if you say, well, I don't want to blah, 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 like you said, the universe doesn't know the difference between not and non-not. So the universe just hears, I want to blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that just keeps attracting more of the blah, blah, blah to you. So you get it in spades. What, in your opinion, is the most exciting development in uh, self-help in recent years? Wow. Um, there have been so many. You know, um, I think that if uh, – I heard this analogy about um, telecommunications in the computer industry many years ago and um, that if uh, computers had developed or if, if – um, aerospace technology had developed at the, at the speed that computers have that Orville and Wilbur Wright would have put a man on the moon a week after they learned how to fly. <laughs> and it's the same thing with personal empowerment and self-help. I think what's happening now is we're into a landslide effect um, because consciousness is, is to the place where it supports us in being all we can be. And so I think that the most exciting thing that I see happening is people are starting to realize that. You know, I picked up a book um, yesterday, and, uh, oh, I don't have it on my table in front of me. It was written by um, a Native American woman by the name of Diani Wahoo. Um, and it's Native American sort of um, information and I'm just now starting to study into that because I've realized that I'm uh, one-eighth Cherokee. I didn't know that for a long time. So I'm, I'm trying to find out more about my own personal heritage. And I've been reading this book, and she wrote the book in 1980-something. And what she's saying in there now are a lot of the same stuff that I said in Power Tools. Hmm. And she was just ahead of her time. She was ahead of the wave. But the wave has caught up with her. And I'm going to find this woman. I made that commitment to myself. I'm going to find this woman and interview her on my radio show. Because <laughs> she's a message that's beautifully written. And I bet a lot of people missed it. Because, you know, the book's probably out of print now. I don't know. I found it in a used bookstore. Well, you can go back to, you know, the 30s and the 40s and find oh. stuff that is just right at the leading edge today. Florence Scovel Shin, she's one of my idols, you know, and she was the turn of the century. You know, she was part of the New Thought movement in New York City and her book, The Game of Life and How to Play It. Wow. You know, it changed my life when I read that book. Mm. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering how many people over the last 100 years, you know, maybe read the book and missed the point. Yeah. But we don't miss the point anymore is what I'm thinking. You know, we're, we're to the place now where if you're ready to pay, take that quantum leap through the doorway to pure potential to have it all, to live in heaven on earth, then all you got to do is take the first step and everything you need to read, to hear, to touch – to taste, to see, will show up on your doorstep. This is what everyone is saying. And it's kind of <clears throat> piling up. You know, the evidence on, on that side of the scale is piling up. 
Um, and the more people who try it and change their lives are adding their testimony. So, yeah, we have no objective, scientific, uh, double-blind, uh, controlled studies to show it. But the anecdotal evidence is starting to get pretty overwhelming, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, and the scientists are starting to get on the bandwagon. You know, I think that um, five to 10 years ago, Greg Braden and Bruce Lipton, um, you know, where they were some of the leading edge scientists on that. But more recently, you know, uh, nuclear physicist Thomas Campbell has come out um, with his uh, My Big Toe book. And, um, you know, they're starting to show proof of how this stuff works in science, empirical proof, that all of the laws that we've been learning, um, you know, I think, well, one of the most beautiful things that has happened in the last 10 years was Rhonda Byrne writing the book, The Secret, because that put some of this really esoteric material into the mainstream so that people could actually have access to it that wouldn't have touched it otherwise. That is very true. And I think it got put in the mainstream because it was uh, kind of using the principles of the law of attraction to bring you material things. I think mm-hmm. the um, thought, the center of gravity of thought is shifting away from that into a more service-oriented yes. Yeah. You know, but I, I, it's kind of a means to an end. I mean, I remember when the movie What the Bleep Do We Know came out, mm-hmm. and I went and saw it in a little art theater in Atlanta. Um, I had no idea even really why I was going. I was a drag along. One of my friends said, you got to come see this movie with me. And I was like, yeah, what? Okay, whatever. Uh, I don't have anything better to do. And I sat in that movie theater and bawled because uh, I'll tear up just talking about it because I realized for the first time that I wasn't alone and that I wasn't crazy, that there were people who had credentials that were believing the same stuff that I believed that I had no proof for. Mm. Well, you know, Paul Ray, the sociologist who coined the term um, conscious creatives, Mm -hmm. uh, I think 11 years ago or 12 years ago, um, found that one of the commonalities among this 25% of the U.S. population um, that believed in alternative healing and believed in a, a, a new spirituality and, and uh, you know, yoga and things like that. The common denominator was that they all thought they were alone. Mm-hmm. And it really is one of the characteristics of this period that people are no longer afraid to speak out in public. Right. People from all walks of life you know, professors of medicine and, and physicists and so on are coming forward and braving. You know, there's still ridicule out there in the scientific community and there will be until um, the, the tide totally turns. Mm-hmm. But this is such an exciting time from that point of view. Oh, isn't it? It's just incredible. I mean, I believe that we're living in the time that was, you know, alluded to in the Bible um, about the time that the lion lays with the lamb and there's a thousand years of peace and all that. I think that we can choose into that reality. I don't necessarily believe that this entire planet Earth uh, is going to have lions laying with lambs. 
But I think that it happens to us one at a time, that when you accept that consciousness, you move into a place where you're in the world, but you're not of the world. And I mean, these are all, these are all old, old metaphors. Um, but, you know, I can say for sure that in my life it's true. And the outside world doesn't have the power to touch me anymore. And I don't, you know, I can't tell you the day that I laid down fear because I don't remember exactly when it was, but I don't remember what fear looks like anymore. That is huge. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is huge because that is the biggest tool that is used to control Mm -hmm. populations. And if you can get beyond fear and really engage the world fearlessly, there is nothing you can't do. That's right. Nothing that stops you. It's a bit like what you were saying about healing. All healing is Mm self-healing. And all change is change from the individual acting together in community. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I'm still a human being. So there are times when fear does try to, you know, to tap me on the shoulder. But I'm wise to the fear tricks. You know, and so, you know, it's okay, talk to the hand. I'm not interested. I, re- I recognize you for what you are and go away. Yeah, yeah. You had a little outsider upstairs help with this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about it. Talk about fear. Um, you know, these, uh, when I saw a 16, foot tall blue image in my living room um i was like what i closed my eyes thinking okay i'm dreaming this and when i open my eyes it's going to be gone and i opened my eyes and it was still there i was like oh boy i'm in trouble now (laughs) (laughs) um i had for many years i had a lot of judgment around um the whole et phenomena you know, the alien, alien this, and, you know, they're coming, they're going to save the planet and, you know, whatever. And I would just like roll my eyes and go, oh, whoa, no, um, until it happened to me. And, you know, quite frankly, I, my cosmology says, and, and take what you want and leave the rest, my cosmology says that I really am all there is and that everything outside of myself is something that I'm creating to help my soul to understand who it is. So in the beginning, when I, I started to see things outside myself, the first things that appeared to me were angels. Because, and I think that's because I came from such a traditional religious upbringing where angels were, you know, they were accepted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that helped me to begin to trust the information that I would receive from the angels. And to this day, I still talk on a daily basis to Archangel Michael, you know, and, and Archangel Metatron as well. I have um, to say those two dudes get around. They do, don't they? You know, and, um, you know, but then at some level, um it got larger than that. And so these beings of now, um, when I finally got clear on what they were telling me that they were, who they were telling me that they were, they are, you know, intergalactic beings that are here to help us through this ascension process. 
And, you know, they said enough of us cried out for help that, you know, we, you know, they heard us. It wasn't just me. They said they don't talk just to me. Um, but anybody that wants to listen to them, they'll talk to. And they will share their way of looking at the human experience, not ever having been a human. So talk about getting outside the box, you know. Um, and so they, uh, they, they talk to me daily for about two years. So they've been noticeably quiet for the last six months. I'm not sure what's up with that. Um, you know, they'll, they'll pop in here and there with words of wisdom, but not just a constant barrage like it was there for a while. Um, maybe they're just talking to other people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but their, their insight into the things that I thought I understood and the things that I thought I knew um, was a big piece of this book. And, you know, they were the ones that really pushed me into using everyday tools um, to uh, to use as the examples so that everyone could relate to um, to the information in the book. Uh, so there, there are quotes from the beings of now in every chapter. Um, and then there were a bunch that I couldn't put, so they got stuck on the end. <laughs> uh, because they have they have had a lot to say. And, you know, and, and I'm ready for them to start talking to me again because I loved the conversations. That Was we there had. anything that they said that caused a kind of a disconnect that you felt a resistance to? Never, never. Um, because they were so totally, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Non judgmental for sure, but they never said, you know, you have to do this or you should do this. They just would say, you know, you might want to consider. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a couple of things to look at here, Gene. You know, and you might want to like consider this. Put this in your heart and slosh it around a little bit and see if you like how it feels. We'll just give you some ideas. They were so gentle with the information that they brought through um, that uh, it never caused any resistance on my part. What were some of the most surprising insights they offered you? Wow. Ooh. Um, had to do with DNA. Um, and, uh, and they would always catch me at odd times. Uh, I have a house up in the mountains that I'm actually moving out of Atlanta and moving up to my mountain house. I'm here right now in basking in the glory of the North Georgia mountains. Um, and I was driving up one day and they, they said, I, we want to talk to you about DNA. And I'm like, really? And they said, yeah, you know, you didn't start off with just two strands of DNA. Uh, originally, you had 144 strands of DNA, and um, they said immediately, they said, don't go into victim mentality here because nobody shut them down, took them away from you, you weren't operated on, uh-uh, you agreed to everything that happened, and we don't really need to go into the details on it, it doesn't matter anymore, that's, that's in the past, and the past doesn't exist anymore. Suffice it to say that at the end of the day, in doing something very altruistic, you wanted to help another culture that was dying. So you agreed to, you know, to mate with them, to meld with them. And in, at the end of the day, when they went home, they were able to save their planet and you had two strands of DNA. And, you know, you've gotten along fine for millennia that way. But, you know, it would be nice now. If you'd go back and find the rest of your DNA, because you never lost it, because there is no loss in divine plan. 
It's all still there. You just have to go find one of your other dimensional aspects and copy, use the copier and bring in the DNA that you're missing. Because along with those 142 strands of missing DNA are 142 attributes of Christ consciousness. They said, you know, there have been humans that have come onto the planet that were perfect. You know, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, they had all 144 strands of DNA intact. And they had, they could do things that you think you can't do. But, for example, Jesus said, everything that I do, you can do and more. And he wasn't just whistling Dixie. <laughs> you just have to go find those gifts and abilities. And so then they said, and so your job, if you choose to accept it, is going to be to draw 142 pictures that will hold the frequency of the missing strands of DNA and we'll help you do that. And I said, well, well wait a minute, I don't draw. <laughs> you know, I can do stick figures at best. They said, we'll do it for you. Just, you know, you take the colored pencils and the paper and we will handle this. And so 142 glyphs later, uh, I created a deck of cards called Reconnecting Soul that people can use. They can look at those um, those pictures. They can meditate with those pictures and um, they can refine within themselves the attributes of Christ consciousness that they thought they didn't have. How fascinating. How, how do you think that that works? Attention and intention. Just that simple. You put your attention on the picture and you intend that you receive that vibration and that it do an activation for you. Which is that's another one of the tools in Power Tools is the generator. That, you know, we have the ability to activate. We don't need somebody to come, you know, do hocus pocus and put their hands on our third eye and say, and you now are activated. You know, no, you can do it yourself. Hmm. Or you can do it the other way, you know. <laughs> you can do it the easy way or you can do it the hard way. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Why is it we always pick the hard way? You know, <laughs> I think that's part of the human creation and the human game is that it's one of those limiting beliefs. And, you know, I remember my mother saying, you know, if for it to be worthwhile, you've got to really work hard at it. You know, so I think that we, you know, we get that message early on in these lifetimes and we think it's not worthwhile unless we really struggle at it. Mm. Can your inner speak work help with this? Absolutely. You know, and but again, I will say I'm, my inner speak work is not the only way. There are a lot of tools out there, but, you know, I I like my way, you know, Um <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the things that the beings have now said to me was that anytime somebody tells you their way is the only way, you probably want to look at it really hard because it probably isn't, you know. So, yeah, there's that. But, yeah, inner speak is, is, a, is a language of the soul because if we could really talk to our soul, you know, on a regular basis, you know, you wouldn't need to read my book or anybody's book. You'd, you'd be in heaven on earth. 24 7 um but we don't know the language in most cases and so interspeak uses kinesiology to help you go through the protocol manual and, and find the sentences just like they teach gorillas how to speak at the zoo by pointing to pictures on a board and um you know before long you've identified where you left your truth and then you do the clearings to to 
bring it back to you to remove the blocks. And at the end of the, uh, at the end of a session, you're, you know, basically you've opened up uh, a new pathway for yourself. Mm-hmm. So really this is just a, uh, another tool on helping people connect with themselves mm-hmm. and really get clarity about what they want and set their intention. Absolutely. Uh, how, uh, how do you think people can best use your book? How, what would you like them to walk away with? You know, um, I would like them to walk away knowing um, that somebody told them how wonderful that they were, how powerful they were, you know, and so that would be, you know, that could be me in this book or there are a lot of other ways, you know, to get to it as well. But it's the most important thing is to remember that you're not alone. There's nothing to be afraid of. And you're so much more powerful than you could possibly imagine that, you know, Superman has got nothing on you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do anything you intend to do and all you have to do is get clear on exactly what it is the universe doesn't like mixed messages i want to be famous but i'm really afraid if i got famous then somebody would want to hurt me or they would want to take it all away or you know blah 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 um you know so you've got to get really clear and focused on what it is you want and um Hang on to that thing, single-mindedly, that or something better. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the new tools that's come in since I wrote the book is the telescope. I was playing with binoculars one day, and, and um, it occurred to me that the telescope is the perfect tool for keeping us on our purpose. Because, you know, you close one eye, you put the other eye up to the lens of the telescope, and then you can look out to the stars billions of miles away, and they look like they're right in front of you. It pulls the goal right there, right, and and you can't be focused on anything else because your other eye's closed. Mm-hmm. All you can see is what you really want. Oh, that's a great metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do people yeah. find out more about you? What's your website? It's Jean Adrian J E A N A D R I E N N E dot com, and everything you need to know about Jean and. The book Power Tools, Innerspeak, it's all there. And I have a free gift for your listeners. If they just sign up for my newsletter in the upper right-hand corner of the homepage, I'll send them a link to a lifetime free subscription to the Innerspeak cards. It's like a game online that they can go and they can do clearings on themselves every day. I, I really suggest you don't do but one a day because you don't need to throw yourself into a healing crisis. And you potentially could if you did 10 or 20 sessions on yourself in a single day. But they're very powerful tools. And um, and it's free. It's my gift. It's my love offering to everyone who wants it. How lovely. And we hope that you will uh, visit Jean's website, which is Jean Adrienne. Uh, com, and we have been speaking with the author of Power Tools, the ultimate owner's manual for empowerment, which you will find a link on NC Review as well. So, Jean, it's been such a delight to have you with us. Uh, I, I, it's, I've been hearing about you for ages and finally getting to, to hear your dulcet southern tones <laughs> has been fun. 
Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed this, Miriam. And thank you so much for everything you are doing to help all of us to get our messages out to those who want to hear. Many blessings. You know, every week our post office box is filled with some of the most interesting books on the planet. We feel so blessed to be able to get the first look at them and then share the best of them with you on New Consciousness Review and on NCR Radio. Now, we are giving away books and films to those who sign up on New Consciousness Review. So I want to invite you to visit our site ncreview.com and click on the NCR giveaway link right at the top of the home page. You will automatically be entered into our weekly drawing and have a chance to win often signed copies by some of the very authors you hear here on NCR radio. That's at ncreview.com. Well, now, next week, our guests will be George and Sedina Capanelli. They are the authors of Do Not Go Quietly. This is a very important book raising critical issues for everyone with even the first gray hairs, so don't miss it. And now we're going to close with our track of the week selected by Scott Johnson from among members of the Positive Music Association. With styles ranging from pop and rock to folk and jazz, this growing group of musicians uses music not only to entertain, but to make a positive difference in people's lives and in the world. This week's song is by Tammy Allen from Atlanta, Georgia. It's called I Am Free.
wonderful to be. In 2009, Tammy Allen launched Do Good, Get Rewards, an online volunteer rewards program inspired by her original song, Everyday People Do Good Every Day. She currently produces benefits and festivals through Do Good, Get Rewards for nonprofit members. Tammy Allen is the host of People for People, a TV show that features nonprofit organizations that make a difference in the Atlanta area. To find out more about her music, go to TammyAllen.com. That's T-A-M-M-Y-A-L-L-E-N.com. And to learn more about the PMA, go to PositiveMusicAssociation.com. Well, that wraps up our show for today. I hope you'll join us next week. Until then, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.